Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today I've got with me the beautiful, beautiful Maggie Christensen. And she's sitting here waiting expectantly, wondering what I'm going to ask her. So at the moment we're just coming off our five days of the Business of Writing uh, series that I've been running. And so I'm all fired up to to keep prodding and poking at those indie publishers and how how they get to the stage there where they are, um, very, very successful with all the work they do on top of their full-time writing job. So Maggie, welcome to Writer on the Road. Thanks so much for inviting me, Melinda. Not a problem at all. Uh, if you'd like to share with our listeners, uh, I guess, a little bit of your story to date. My writing story or my life story? Well, what would we like to hear, listeners? I think we'd like to start with your life story because I know you were at some stage down in my um, home area of Sydney, um, but I know you're from Glasgow. Um, and other than that, I don't know a lot, so I'm curious. T- tell us about you. Okay. Well, I was teaching primary school in Scotland. And I had the wanderlust. Um, so I, in my mid-twenties, I answered a call to come and teach in the sun. And the ad had this sort of um, semi-naked um, surfer wearing budgie smugglers and a gown and hood saying, come and teach in the sun. And I tell people I'm still looking for that guy. But the interesting thing is the last author talk I gave, one, one man at the back put his hand up and said, it was me, it was me. <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I immigrated to Sydney um, to teach in, in schools. And then I, um, after teaching for a number of years, excuse me, in state and private schools, I moved into teacher education. And that took me, first of all, to Goulburn, um, the country town of Goulburn, um, uh, to a college called the Goulburn CAE, which then closed. And I moved um, with the college and some of the staff to Wagga, so to another country town. And it was there that, uh, much to my surprise, at the ripe old age of 37, I'd given up hope of finding my soulmate, and there he was, this gentle giant of an American guy who was teaching in the same, school, uh, the same classes as me. So I did meet my soulmate, that wasn't the guy who was advertising to come to Australia. And we've been married now for over 30 years. That's a beautiful story. And I've got a funny feeling I've spoken to you a little bit about this before, Maggie. Now, I did meet Maggie down at a book signing at Mitchelton, same place I met Rachel Amphlett, to be honest. And it's not a place I hang around a lot, but I've managed to meet two beautiful ladies there. Uh, but my hometown is Goulburn, and I believe we may have had that conversation because I actually started we, my... We did, And we? we figured out that you might have been a student of mine, but neither of us remember each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it was right back in the late 70s, early 80s, I think, um, yeah. way back when there was a, a teacher's college in Goulburn. It then turned into a police academy or something. But it's amazing how our stories intertwine, uh, and that happens more often than you would think. Uh, one of the first questions that I want to talk to you about your writing today, Maggie, is that I notice you have beautiful, beautiful beach covers, and as that's my favourite topic in the whole world, uh, tell us about your obsession with the beach. I've always wanted to live near the beach, and now I'm on the Sunshine Coast, I do. My husband and I walk along the beach most mornings. We are near um, Parisian Beach, which is a beautiful long stretch of beach. 
So in writing my books, I always have something beachy in them. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, in my um, in my Sydney book, Sandband of Gold and Broken Threads, um, the beach features um, quite markedly. In fact, my character in um, Band of Gold actually comes up to Parisian Beach and goes to some of my favourite places, including my favourite bookshop. And there's a story with that because there's another lady who writes about Parisian Beach, a local author here, Pat Nod. And in her, one of her book launches at Annie's bookshop in Parisian, which is a wonderful bookshop, um, Annie said, but you never have my bookshop in your books. So I decided, okay, Annie, you're going to be in one of my books. So Annie's bookshop appears in Band of Gold. And in my Oregon coast series, well, Florence in Oregon is right on the coast. The whole um, town is built on sand. So hence the beaches on all of my covers. Yeah. And Maggie is now talking about the Queensland coast for all of our international yeah. listeners, all our, all our international listeners. A lot of them are from Germany nowadays since we had Sherry oh. uh, McCarthy on, which is interesting. I think I've got quite a, quite a following over there now. Uh, but, yeah, Queensland coast, New South Wales coast, all beautiful, beautiful parts of the world. I'm particularly interested in those at the moment because I'm about to start school holidays. It's raining buckets out there at the moment, but I'm sure the sun will come out tomorrow. Now, Maggie... Sun is up here. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, oh, well, um, I, think we're, I think it's going to be a miserable weekend. Uh, the latest book that I've got uh, is called Madeline House, and I picked that up as I said recently, and it looks like, from what I can gather, it looks like it's book six from you? It's, no, it's my fifth book, but it's book three, and it's book three in my Oregon Coast series. Yeah, an Oregon although, Coast, yeah. Although it's a series, they're, they're all standalone stories. Yeah, and there's a story with that uh, that I wanted to bring you around to. It's dedicated to a wonderful lady, from what I can gather, in memory of Maxine, who inspired Maddie. Yes, um, Maxine was my mother-in-law, and she has an interesting story in that she had she lived in California, and in her 80s she she moved to Oregon where her um, brother and sister-in-law were living, and she moved to the little town of Florence, Oregon, which is my connection with that town. Uh, my husband and I visited her on many occasions, and that's what made me decide to set a series of books there. Yeah, and I remember having the conversation with Maggie about what book I should buy because they've all got beautiful covers, as I said. I might put them up on my um, blog post when we when we put this episode up and everyone can see what I'm talking about. Uh, but I couldn't decide which book to buy. And being from Goulburn and Sydney and those kinds of places, I was very tempted to buy one of those books. But this is uh, Maggie's most recent book, and apparently you've been getting the best reviews from that. All, all your books have been doing very well, but people seem to be particularly enamoured with this one. Is that correct? I, I, th I think so. I, I get good reviews for all of them, but that, I think this one has struck a chord with some people, and a number of people have picked up on the, the sort of domestic violence part of it, although it's not, it's not a huge part of the book, but um, that, that's the reason my character leaves Sydney and goes to Florence, yeah. is that she has a very controlling husband. Yeah, and... Uh, I don't think we've mentioned uh, Maggie's heroines are mature heroines, and I've spoken to someone on else. Oh, I know it was Jen McLeod. Her her hero, or Jen J McLeod. Her yeah. heroines are mature as well. So I'm not. I'm pretty sure they're not as mature as us, but they might be. Uh, but it'd be very interesting to go and hear their stories uh, because I know they've got a, a new selection of romances now called new new age fiction. Is it what's what are they called? The new hit. Around those twenty-one-year-olds, twenty-year-olds, um, new, new adults, 
New adult fiction, that's correct. And I thought if they're going to have new adult, they should have middle age as well. I think that's only fair. We all we all want a handsome hero. Well, some of us do. <laughs> actually can cancel that. <laughs> Maybe we don't. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I call mine mature women's fiction, and I, I say that I um I celebrate mature women and the heroes worthy of them. Yeah, and look, you have to be a damn hero, a damn worthy hero nowadays. I can tell you, uh, I'm not sure we can write romance novels with no heroes at all. But uh, that'd be worth a challenge, I suppose. At least in books, at least in books, we can make them do what we want. Uh, okay, now you've got your books are Dreamcatcher, Sand Dollar, uh, Broken Threads, Band of Gold, and now Madeline House. Uh, now, you have a very interesting story about your cover designer. Now, I did try to get in touch with her, but I haven't heard back yet, so I might have to get you to introduce me. But apparently she's very, very good, and she looks very, very good. She is brilliant. She really is. Yeah, I, I came across her. I, I was looking at, I, I looked at books that I liked, and I found um, an, a Welsh author, actually, Jan Ruth, and she was using Jane. And then through Jan, I found my editor, and he recommended Jane, and, I, and I, I looked at her portfolio, and I just loved her covers, and she's so easy to work with. She's brilliant. Yeah, and um, if, I can, if I can track her down, everybody, I'd love to have a cover designer on our, on our show. I tried to talk my cover designer into coming on, but he was too shy. Uh, oh, yeah, so I'm, I, sure, I'm sure Jane would be delighted. She's just recently actually put out a book. Um, oh, gosh, I can't remember the actual name, but it's about cover design and formatting, where she gives a lot of hints and tips without selling herself. But it's a, it's a brilliant book, really, on that, on that, and you can get you can download that from Amazon. Yeah. J.D. Smith. Yeah, and, and I will do that. I'll, I'll certainly do that, because I think it's a topic that, as indies, we're all very, very interested in. Uh, I notice uh, Annie, Annie Seaton is actually showing off her beautiful Daintree cover on Facebook at the moment. She had a beautiful... Yeah, she had a beautiful cover on Kakadu Sunrise and now she, or Kakadu Sunset. Now she's got Daintree Sunrise, um, mm. but the covers are gorgeous. Um, I know she designed some of her own covers as well for other other clients. Um, so it's just such a huge feature, I think, of getting our books out there professionally um, designed and looking looking very good against all the other books that are out there competing. I guess, for our readers' attentions. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your indie publishing journey because when I met you, you've obviously um, got it down pat. You're very, very professional with the uh, how your store was set up, your bookmarks, your huge banner sign with your books on it, uh, your professional demeanour. Maggie is Scottish, of Scottish descent, and she just dresses beautifully and speaks beautifully, and that's what attracted me. I went, wow, um, this woman really knows her stuff. Have you had to work hard to get to the point that you're at? It's a, been a huge learning curve because I started knowing nothing. I, I started thinking I'd go down the, the traditional route. I actually started writing a couple of Mills and Boone type books and submitted them, but by the time I heard back from the publisher 18 months later, um, asking me to um, redo and resubmit, I'd, I'd started writing mature women's fiction, which is what I like to read. Um, what I found was that the traditional publishers or the agencies, I, did, I just didn't quite meet their, fit their list, so I decided I'd self-publish. So what I did was look at other people who've self-published, and what I found, and you've probably found too, Melinda, the writing community in Australia is such a supportive group of people. Um, so I learned a lot from others. I joined um, Romance Writers of Australia, Queensland Writers Centre, the Alliance of Independent Authors, which is brilliant for all indie authors. And I just learned as I, as I went along. And I've learned from what other people 
do my banners. I saw Alison Stewart on Facebook with a banner like that, and I found out where she got it, and I decided, yeah, I'll go down that track. Um, so it's just learning as I go, and I, I learn more all the time. I'm still learning about um, advertising and about Twitter, and I don't know anything about audiobooks, but I've I've um, set up with Rachel Amphlett. Next time I meet her, we're going to talk audiobooks because she's just put one out. Um, so it's just a continual learning process. Yeah, I had um, I was listening to Rachel's. I put her up today on my podcast, and she was talking about the edits of her. Oh gosh, white something, white gold, and yes. it was seven hours of audio that she had to go through. I've just made contact with a lady, and she's coming on the podcast next week, and she's oh, an audiobook expert. So I'm very keen because this holidays yes. I'm going to finish recording the Miner's Wife. So I might put that one up sooner rather than later because I think a few of us are interested in that whole process of yes. audiobooks. Yeah, um, well, I think. It depends on your audience, but I know with my older audience, there are a lot of older women who, who really like audiobooks. I, um, I, one of the things I, I do, I volunteer with our local library, and I select and deliver um, books to, to um, people who are homebound, housebound, or work, are living in nursing homes, and quite a few of them prefer audiobooks because they're getting to the stage where they can't read much anymore. Yeah, I had, I had an elderly auntie, and she was exactly that. She used to read the large print, and in the end, she couldn't read at all, so she could sit there and listen to her stories. And I thought, what a beautiful, beautiful thing to happen. And I noticed on Facebook, I don't even know who put it up. Someone put it up yesterday. I might have been within one of my pod. I was in, within my podcasting group. They've just got back from a conference. Amazon is uh, starting to incorporate audio. And I thought, well, that's very interesting as well, outside Audible. I'm not quite sure what it was all about. I just looked at it and thought I'll have to come back and look at it later. But apparently it's pretty exciting stuff. Oh, yeah, I must look into that too. Yeah, I'm sure we'll all find out eventually. I'm sure they won't keep it a secret. It'll be spread all over oh, the place how it all works. Uh, yeah, I, look, I don't even know how Audible works, to be honest. All I know is here in Australia we can't use it, so it's irrelevant to us. Um, that's, that's all I know too. But Ra Rachel seems to have managed that, so I'm interested in talking with her. Yeah, I vaguely think she may have had an American address. I, we did oh, we did discuss it briefly, but I, I can't remember. Um, so there are too many things. But we will find out about it, and when I get on my audio friend next week, we'll discuss it, I guess, a little bit further. Uh, you talked about the Alliance of Independent Authors. Do you have that on your website? You don't have their little um, emblem? No, I, I don't. I, I keep meaning to do that. I haven't done that yet. Um, but I, I just find they're, they're invaluable in terms of advice and tips and answering any questions, and it's just such a great community. Yeah, I've um, put out a SOS to Orna Ross, who is a, she's, oh, she's one of the business. What is she? She's the one of the directors or something. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've got I've got an invitation out to her to come on come on board and tell us all about um, the Alliance of Independence Authors. And again, because that's the stage I'm at, I'm looking at joining there. I've been saving up my pennies for a while to join the Alliance of Independence Authors because I think it's so fantastic. And then Joanna Penn put out her conference here in Australia, so my $200 went to that instead. Um, how, that. Yeah, <laughs> how, how could we not go and see Joanna Penn when she's on her own back door with Rachel Amphlett and with, with the other lady? I've forgotten her Belinda, name. Belinda. Um, gosh, I met, her, I met her last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get her on. We'll get her on board as as well if we can Belinda talk. Belinda Pollard, around. that's right. Yeah, Belinda Pollard, that's the one. I noticed you have another favourite author of mine, or she used to be a favourite author back when I had time to read, and it was Liz Brinsky. I noticed she was on your Cafe Carla. Oh, Kayla. She was. Cafe Carla. Yeah, yeah. She she's one of the authors who inspired me, um, because she, partly because she writes about older women, but also she started writing fiction in her fifties as well. Although she's been cre teaching creative writing in Western Australia for a number of years. Yeah. Now tell us a little bit more about Cafe Carla. That 
you've got some wonderful authors on there. Yes, I am. Um, I, I decided to start a blog, and I, I'm not good at making making up blog 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 posts. So I decided to interview authors, and I got the name um, a number of years ago when we were um, living in Wagga. We were on acreage outside Wagga, and we wanted a name for our property, and I wanted a name that was a little bit different. And I found the word Cala, which is a Scottish Gaelic for a haven or a harbour. So that's always been the name of our house. So when I set up my blog, I decided to call it Cafe Cala. And what I, I plan, I've been doing is interviewing an author every two weeks on the second and fourth Thursday of the month. Um, it is getting a bit um, hectic, and I'm, I'm thinking of maybe pulling it back to what one a month because I'm, I'm finding I'm not I'm running out of authors, but not not every author I I um, contact gets back to me. But I've actually been thrilled at some of the big name authors who have responded. Um, people like Sue Grafton and Fiona McIntosh. And I have um, I've got Rachel Johns coming up next week. Um, so Australian and overseas authors have responded very well to it, and I am um, I'm thrilled with that. Yeah, and I think this is where that inclusive community comes in, because um, Rachel Johns is coming on the podcast next week as well. Oh, now, fantastic. Yeah. And you think about the time that these women and men are giving up for for what is essentially. Um, I guess for free, uh, and I take up a fair bit of people's time. I take up, as you know, 45 minutes to an hour, which is <laughs> naughty of me. Um, but these people are very kind and very generous of spirit. I think I've got Kate Forsyth coming up as well. And I approach them with an open open mind and an open heart, and I understand fully why people wouldn't have the time. Uh, and as I said, um, I'm not sure what's in it for them other than they're giving back to to their readers who, who absolutely adore them and hang off their every words. And as you uh, have so very generously offered to come on and chat with me today, you have quite a large readership. I think so, yes. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just thinking actually of, of authors. Someone who um, was very generous with her time was Di Morrissey who came on to my, my um, interview panel. Yeah, I haven't. I um, gosh, it's been years since I've read a Di Morrissey novel. Um, yeah, it's it's been a long time. But like jumping around, you, you've got you've got your audience, you've got your reviews up. Uh, I notice you've also got beta readers uh, on board. I, I have. I, I've just got a couple, and I, I probably I probably need more. But it's in fact, I was just looking today at some um, blog posts on how to get more beta readers. So I've got to look at that because I, I'd like I'd like a few more. Um, although it's it, it's time-consuming for people to read a whole novel and give you feedback on it. I can appreciate that. Yeah, I was um, listening to something today on... Oh, I ducked out for some reason at school and I was listening to an interview and it was from an interview by quite a big-name agent. And one of the comments that that person made or that agent made was, if indies aren't... Or, sorry, if writers aren't selling very well in the shops and a couple of their books don't do as well... She suggests that they go off and indie publish for a while and build up their audience and then come back and see her. Uh, I found that comment absolutely amazing. Yes. Um, and it was in America and it was, as I said, a big top name agent. And I thought, if someone tootled off and built a name for themselves, why on earth would they go back to the very person who didn't support them in the first place? Uh, so... Well, one of the fa fantastic things I find about being an indie author is the control it gives you. You know, you've got total control of the content you publish, the design of your cover, the title of the book, when you decide to publish, and I, I don't think I'd give up that readily. No, I notice you've got an editor, uh, John Hudspeth. 
Absolutely, yes. He's brilliant as well. Um, when, I, when I decided to self-publish, I sent my <clears throat> the first chapter out for sample edits to a few editors. And he was the one who gave me most feedback. He wasn't the dearest, he wasn't the cheapest, but he was the one I really felt I could work with. And I find he's really improved my writing. And when I'm writing, I can almost feel there's a little, little Johnny sitting on my shoulder saying, no, don't write that, that's fluff. Um, and so on. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been great and he's really helped my writing immensely. Yeah, I was speaking to uh, an editor a couple of days ago and I'll, I'll pop that interview up, I guess, in the next week or so. Lynn Spinner, I think her name was. Isn't that terrible? I interviewed, interviewed her two days ago. But it was very interesting to get a perspective of an editor. And as I said, it's great working with indie authors who are professional and take on board all your advice and and really work hard to make that manuscript better. But they, she said she finds that some authors go to her and really all they want is a stamp of approval and to fix a few spelling mistakes. They don't want to do the hard work to pull the story apart and put it back together. Have you had to pull any of your stories apart through the story or structural no, no, edits? No, I, have, I haven't. Um, but my, my very first book, I, I decided I wasn't going to write <coughs> any sex scenes. It was going to be closed door. And Johnny came back to me. And because it's in England, I, I sort of, you know, I sometimes wake up in the early morning and there, there it is back. And it came back at about, but I opened about three in the morning and it said, you need a sex scene. Your readers are going to want a sex scene. So I got up and I just wrote it there and then. Um, so that, that's, that's really the only, the only thing that I've, had, that I've had to change markedly in my books. And now I, 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 put it, I mean, people say my sex scenes are tasteful. Um, so I don't, I don't go down the, um, the sort of erotic um, line. But um, jo Johnny insisted on that in my first book, and I think he was probably right. It, made, it, helped, it helped the story and it helped the reader um, um, understand the characters better. Yeah, I think I was reading, I went to a writer's festival once, and I'm just trying to remember his name. Is it something Barrett? He writes, um, or writes mystery thrillers, but he put, always puts in his women characters. Mm -hmm. And he, he's an ex-army bod, and he just could not write. I think it's J.R. Barrett, I think. Mum used to read them. And because he was a mystery thriller, he didn't want to write sex scenes at all. But he was this army tough dude who knew everything about guns in Vietnam and all the rest of it. And he had to write these. He was writing from a female character's point of view and he had to go in and write romantic scenes. And he said it just nearly did his head in. He said um, it's, it's not as easy as you look. And I thought that's one of the things that I haven't touched on, I guess, here on the podcast yet. But just talking talking with you now, it'd be very, very interesting to get some of our writers back and say, well, look, how do you go about this? And when you get your, because quite often it's the partner who is the first reader or the husband who is the first reader, uh, how do you keep a straight face? And, and you know, what, what goes on? Do they suggest further, further additions? Um, it, just the mind boggles. Well, I, I know um, Jim, my husband, gets a lot of teasing from our friends' husbands to say, oh, did you help with the research for that? Yeah, yeah, and it, it's um, it's a topic that I'm not allowed to raise in this house because my daughters uh, edit and listen to the podcasts and you know watch me do all the promotion materials and they thought you know that the word kiss should not be in a book so so I've got nowhere to go. <laughs> um, I just I just can't go there at all. But you lot can and you can tell me all about it. Uh, so what's next for you, Maggie? What what are you working on at the moment? Because this book is only just a recent okay. release, isn't it? It, it is. I've just finished the first draft of my sixth book, which is called Champagne for Breakfast, and I love the title of it. Oh, so do I. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it follows one of the minor characters um, from the Oregon Coast series, um, a lady called Rosa, who appears in the first book, and um, she's in Noosa, so it's, it's actually set in Noosa on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. 
and it follows her story um, and my, some of my characters from the other Oregon Coast books who, who, who moved between Noosa and, and the Oregon Coast appear in it again. And um, it was inspired one Sunday morning, my husband and I were walking along the river um, at Noosa um, and we saw this woman sitting there with an empty bo wine bottle. And I thought, hmm, there's a story there somewhere. And I decided that, um, later on that it was Rosa's story. Um, so that, that's coming out probably early next year. Yeah. And do you have, uh, speaking with Rachel today, um, the blog post I'm going to put out is about production schedules, um, what do you call it, business and marketing mm -hmm. plans. Do you have any of those dastardly words? I, I do, but I'm not, I'm not nearly as good as Rachel at keeping to it. I actually did a, a, an OWL course with the RWA last year on a business plan and I, I wrote a marketing plan that I haven't looked at since. Um, but I, I, um, I, I do have, I, my aim was to, to publish two books a year and this year I'm running a bit late um, with this one. So I'm going to take my time and make sure it's right and get it out early next year. Um, but I've also got plans for a couple of novellas that link to this book that I'm writing, that I've just finished. So I want to wait until I've got at least one of them done before I publish it. And then I've got ideas for my next two books, one of which will come out later next year. So I know where I'm going, but I haven't got my deadlines as tight as I know Rachel has. Yeah. And do you find that... And I don't want to, like, I don't even know if I'm allowed to ask this stuff. Um, do you find that your indie publishing pays for itself? I'm not quite sure who publishes your books. No, I publish them and they don't pay for themselves as yet, but they're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I went, I put my first books out through Australian ebook publishers and it was certainly a couple of thousand dollars a book to get them up and get them out. Um, but I'm now looking at draft to digital. Um, I've got the interview coming up with um, Kevin Tumlinson tomorrow. And I'm just looking at doing it myself with, with the editor, with the um, professional editor, with the cover designer and all that kind of stuff, just to cut out those additional costs, I guess, of the middleman. Do you have that middleman or do you just go straight no, to No, I, I don't. I, I know some people use these production groups and I, I tend to think they're overpriced for what people get for them. Um, I, 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 chose, I, I, have, I use my editor. My team is my editor, my cover designer, who's also my formatter. And, and my beta readers, and I, and I get it back from Jane, and it's just ready to go up on Kindle or Smashwords or Ingram or wherever. So I don't have to fuss. I don't have the patience to do it myself. My husband writes nonfiction, and he has the patience that I don't have. So he does all of his himself. Um, I have Jane format it, and then I don't have to worry about it. But I don't see any point really in paying a middle person for something I can do myself. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, I guess it's the playing field's becoming more and more level as. There are so many templates and, and things out there that help us. I know Scrivener does everything for me now, so I've got no excuse not to be uploading books mm -hmm. on a regular basis um, mm -hmm. other than the fact that I'm slack and I'm doing other stuff. And plus I talk to you guys instead of doing the work mm -hmm. that I should be doing. But that, that's all right. My turn will come. Uh, so you've, you've got your review groups. You've got your professional associations. You mentioned the Ro Romance Writers of Australia. Now, I know you didn't go to the conference either, did you? No, I, did, I didn't. I, 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 I tend to feel that they're a bit more romance than my books are, so I don't know that I, my books quite fit, but I, I'm looking at probably going to the conference in Brisbane next year because it's handy, closer to home too. Yeah. What do you do to promote your books, Maggie? Okay, I, um, I do book signings, as you know. I've done some, li some library author talks. I, I use Facebook. Um, my blog, and I'm actually currently I'm doing a course on Facebook advertising, which I'm hoping will, will help me there too. 
Yeah. And just talk, talk, talking to people. Yeah, what's the course you're doing? It's um, Mark Dawson's um, course on Facebook advertising, and it's bril- he's, a, he's a brilliant um, what's my mentor, I guess. Um, but I, I'm just part way through the course, um, and I'm going at slower than I intended because I wanted to get my novel finished first. So yeah, for those of I'm you at. who are listening, there are a few courses around. I'm having a bit of a smile because we're all on the same, I guess, track as indie authors. Someone's making an awful lot of money out of us because we all do Mark Dawson's course. We all do Nick Stevenson's course, which is on growing your email list. Um, half of us are doing Joanna Penn's Creative Freedom course. Uh, there just seems to be, and some Rachel mentioned one yesterday that I, or today that I was listening to, and it was about doing the blurbs on the back of your book as well. And I thought, well, that would make life really easier. We can just sort of, we can do all the writing and, and we can get everyone else to do all this sort of stuff for us. We just got to pay through the nose to do it. Um, making money. I notice, um, that when you're with a traditional publisher, that even with the eBooks, when they go off on Amazon and stuff, they, they are quite expensive. Uh, do you think indies have that advantage when it comes to popping their books up, selling them for a few dollars, um, or do you think that uh, readers are happy to pay those higher ebook prices? I don't know. I, th- I think we've got an advantage, but uh, I really don't know. I I guess you'd have to do some research on that. Oh, I, just I think know. Three, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I think three ninety nine four ninety nine is a reasonable price for an ebook. And I guess as a reader, I find it easy to buy books at that price. Yeah, I notice uh, some of the traditional publishers are setting their prices at that eight, nine, ten dollars, uh, which yes, is I've... huge. And I have seen eBooks at fourteen ninety nine. And as soon as I see those prices now, I know that they're traditionally published set or publisher set. And I thought, I wonder if that's going to cause problems, I guess, down the track. Um, but because we move in this wonderful romance writers world, uh, I do look at the romance writers um, with, with, you know, the pub- traditional publishers. And I think they have got life um, so well organised because it does make life easy, doesn't it? Sorry, you mean it makes life easier if they've got a traditional publisher? Yeah, yeah. You can just hand it all over to them and say you do the lot. I I don't know that it does. Um, I've spoken to quite a few traditional people traditionally published um, who didn't get the title they wanted. They didn't get the cover they wanted. They were asked to change their book so that it was a completely different book from the one they'd first written. Um, So I'm not sure that they do have it all, all covered. Yeah. Are you looking at um, foreign rights? It's just as we were talking there, it's something that I haven't discussed with you. Are you, where do you, where is your made audience? Is it here or England? It's, it's here at the moment. I'd like to see more in the States for my Oregon course books. And um, that's one of the reasons I'm looking at Facebook as to try and, and get them over there because they are set in uh, in the States and I use um, American spelling for the American books. Um, I sell I sell a few in the UK as well because I guess I've got some contacts there, but it's ma- it's mainly Australian. Yeah, that's interesting. When you said um, when you sell in America, you've got to have the American spelling. How do you put up two editions of the book, one with Australian spelling and one with American spelling? I, I, I don't. I don't. If I write a book set in in, in America, I it, all all editions are American spelling. Australians and Brits don't mind American spelling, but Americans really object to Australian spelling. Oh, there and you I, go. I've got fortunate enough to have a husband who can go through it and make and Americanize the, the terms and the spelling for me. Yeah. Now you said he was writing nonfiction. What's it like having two writers in the house? It works very well. We actually um, have the same office and our desks face each other, so we can ask each other questions. I probably ask more questions than he does, um, but it works really well. 
Yeah. So it's it's nice, I guess. Uh, you, you, you're describing, I guess, an idyllic lifestyle, long walks on deserted beaches, um, writing together, going on lovely trips um, to America. And I, I notice you've got something about back to Glasgow. Is that correct? Um, I've, I've, got, I've got a book that's going to be set back in Glasgow. I'm, I'm not sure about the, the trip, but where, whether I'll, I will actually go back or whether I'll, um, I'll, I'll do my research online. Interestingly, I've just um, got a new crit partner who's writing a book set in the historical period that my book will be so she's offered to share her research resource or where she would not have resources but where she where she did her research so that might help me um and prevent and mean that i don't have to actually go back and also i um I, I skyped with one of my cousins this morning who's living over there now so i might manage to get the information without going back actually isn't it exciting even talking about that 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 historical research aspect of it, um, I've got one set up on the Atherton Tablelands and to have to dig around and find everything is an absolute nightmare. Skype yeah. and things like that make life so much easier with our online searches and things. Um, is a historical novel a bit of a change for you? Well, it's, it's a bit of a dual narrative, actually. One of my characters um, from Broken Threads, um, when I set that up, I set her up with a Scottish background and she goes back to Scotland um, to visit her um, her her elderly aunt who is um, who's dying and who's putting together her story and it's actually based on um, a story of an aunt of mine which I'll fictionalise um, and so it's actually both their stories so it's the contemporary story and the the aunt story looking back and on her life. Okay, yeah, and um, you can bring in all those beautiful. As soon as I saw the name um, Madeline. I thought it's a beautiful, beautiful old-fashioned name. So yeah. the thing I like about um, historical novels is we can play around with those beautiful names um, that, that I, I love so much. Uh, one last question for you. And, look, as I, I said to Maggie before we started, I'm trying to cut these conversations down to a reasonable 40 minutes, um, which is good driving um time for me going to work and I think that's about how long they should be but we're going to put out a vote aren't we Maggie um, what is the highlight of your writing career to date having people come up to me and telling me how much my books have meant to them um, it's quite amazing um, people have come up and said with my first book um, which starts with the husband putting the wedding ring on the, the kitchen table on Christmas morning and saying I don't want to be married anymore and so many people have come up and said I know someone that happened to um, but also people have come up to me and said they find my books inspire them. Um, a, a former um, colleague, a, a male actually, um, with Dreamcatcher, he said it was um, the love story that everyone would want to have. And I was at a um, Nusalong weekend author event the other week and actually they, um, one of the, the feature authors referred to me from the stage and when she finished speaking, the woman in front turned around and said, oh, I read two of your books when I was in hospital and they really cheered me up. So things like that uh, make me feel really good. What I find amusing too is that some people will come up to me and ask advice on their on their love life. Some you know women in their sixties come up and ask me for advice on their love life, and I find that is quite hilarious. Well, I was going to ask you, Maggie. I'm fifty four. What do you got for me? <laughs> ah, I've got I've got better things in store. <laughs> read, read, read the Dreamcatcher, and Helen will give you Helen will give you advice. <laughs> It's, hey, there's got to be a spin-off money-making machine in that somewhere. Uh, I think I think it's lovely to have happy endings, and I know your characters work very hard for their happy endings. Life is not meant to be easy, but sometimes all these bad endings that we hear about get really, really tiring. And to be honest, a lot of us do have 
good endings and we do have lovely relationships and it's okay mm-hmm. to give those kinds of endings because I, th- I think they're uplifting. Uh, look, thank you, Maggie. Um, now, is the Brisbane Writers Festival over? It is, yes. Yep. We were, do you have anything to do with that? Um, I was part of um, Books of Our Backyard Yard where um, the Queensland Writers' Centre um, put together all the books um, from Queensland authors from the previous year and they actually ran a uh, social event on the fr- on a Friday evening, and they did a, they had a lovely barbecue last Saturday, uh, this, last Friday night, sorry, at the State Library when the, the lo- launch of the festival was going on, and it was wonderful to catch up with some um, author friends who I hadn't seen for a while, and also to meet new ones who I only knew from Facebook. Yeah, and I think, like, for everybody listening, I know we're chatting and meandering uh, around the place here, but as an indie author, I think Maggie has mentioned some very, very important things. We have the freedom to choose how our stories end. We have our cho- freedom to choose what our novels look like. We have a uh, freedom to choose and set the price. Uh, and some of those things, I guess, uh, down the track uh, will be very, very important to more and more authors as they learn that um, there are alternatives to traditional publishing, not to say that there isn't room for traditional publishing on its own. Uh, look, thank you, Maggie. You've been a beautiful, beautiful guest. You've been very patient. I know you were a bit worried about what I was going to ask you or how I was going to ask it, um, but you've survived beautifully. I believe uh, you just had a radio interview. Is that correct? No, I'm just about to have one next week. I didn't have a date for it, and I finally got the date today, so it's actually next Thursday. And who's that with? That's with our local community radio, Nusa Community Radio. Okay, and so, that's at yep, Madeline House. And Madeline? Madeline House, they're, they're talking about with me. Oh, okay. Well, we'll put Madeline House up on our blog. Um, and if you send me a link, we'll pop up your interview, uh, I guess, um, details so that people can tune in and listen to that. So we are the warm-up act for Maggie to be on professional radio. We are not even radio at all. We're just a podcast, and that's okay. So thank you, Maggie. I look forward to walking along the beach with you and... Um, Meeting you, meeting up with you on at Noosa for a coffee sometime. Sounds lovely, Melinda. I look forward to it. Okay, and if you're looking for Maggie, it's maggiechristiansenauthor.com and I'll put that in the show notes. Uh, bye for now, everybody. Mm-hmm.